This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. What's up, addicts? My name is Patrick Allen. This is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. I'm here as always with Matt Verderam. Verderam, it's been a week since Thanksgiving. How's your stomach doing? And have you eaten all the leftovers? Uh, yeah, I, you know what? I did. We made a lasagna in this household. Uh, it was a few days after Thanksgiving because as people know, my wife has been dealing with COVID. Um, so we made a few days afterwards. Uh, it took me three and a half hours to make. And I was really was kind of concerned. I was like, this better turn out good or this is a disaster. It turned out well. Family ate the whole thing. I got one piece left. It's pretty much the second I get off this podcast, it's going to be gone. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good. The stomach's good. Didn't put on like 10 pounds in a week, so it wins all around. I feel like I've lost some weight. It's weird because I'm like, there's no way this is possible after the way that I've been eating for the last week. So I feel like, you know, it takes time to show up. So like maybe all the work I did before Thanksgiving, I'm seeing it now. Week from now, I'm going to look like, uh, you know, way all over here. That's okay though. Uh, so uh, now, we're, now we're starting to look ahead towards Christmas food. I think we're going to, we'll reserve that conversation for a couple of weeks from now. I don't want to, I don't want to get too much into it because there's a lot to talk about. There is. There's, I mean, we've already talked about Buckeyes, which I'm sure will come back up. But um, yes, I am, I'm a big fan of all things baked goods, especially Italian bakery stuff. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to load up something fierce here. Look, I would do it anyway. But with everything that we've all gone through in 2020, I'm not going to feel one ounce bad about anything right. I, I do. Like, I, I will go full on as deep as I can into the weeds with the food. And you know what? It is what it is. 2021 hopefully brings a new year. Hopefully brings, the, you know, maybe a new waistline. But it, fine. Fine. I'll worry about it in 2021. <laughs> you got to pack up for the, for the winter, you know, hibernate, all that stuff. You need That's that extra, right. the extra insulation. It gets cold in Chicago. I Actually, I got to tell this. This is a funny story. It's kind of gross. So if you're eating or something, apologies. But so when I first moved here, now I lived, I'm from Northeast Ohio. It's, it's cold there. I've lived in New York City for about 10 years. So I'm not, I, I'm used to the cold. It, but there's just a, like an extra gear that Chicago has on some days where it can get just really, really cold up here. It's the wind. Yeah. So I'm walking to work one day back when we were in Lincoln Square in, that, in our first office. <laughs> and I'm walking to work and I, you know, I, I felt like I just had something in my nose. I needed to blow my nose. And I was like, God damn, you know, like I, I pulled out my, I pulled out a tissue and walk and I blow my nose and I walk a couple more blocks. I feel like it's still in there. It's just disgusting, right? I get to work. I blow my nose. It's fine. I'm walking home. Same thing happens. I'm like what in the hell? It was really cold. I got talking to my wife and I was like, that night, I said, I felt like I, I'd blow my nose and it, it wasn't coming out. It was so strange. And I get inside and there was nothing going on. And she was like, you didn't have anything in your nose. She was like, that's just your snot freezing in your nose. And I stopped 
dead in my tracks. I just thought about it. And I was like, oh my God, she's right. Like it didn't matter how many times I blew my nose. It was literally freezing in my nose. It was the weirdest feeling. I had never experienced that before. So I'm sure our, all our, our listeners from uh, up in Minnesota, you know, a lot of Chiefs fans up there are probably rolling their eyes at me right now. But that was, that was something yeah. else. Um, that's, yeah, that's pretty funny. I don't make sure like that. I will give a quick football anecdote though. So th- there's a famous game that anyone who's real familiar with NFL history will know, uh, the Ice Bowl. It's a Packers and Cowboys played in, in Lambeau, New Year's Eve, 1967, the NFL title game. And it was like the wind chill. It was, the regular temperature was like 16 below. The wind chill was 55 below. It's the coldest game in NFL history. And back then, the, the whistles were metal. And so the first play of the game, the official goes to blow the play dead, puts the whistle in his mouth, blows oh, no. it, goes to pull the whistle out. <laughs> can't, can't get the whistle out of his mouth. So he yanks it out. Oh, and, yeah, no. I mean, you know, rips off the skin on one of the guy, poor oh. guy's lips. But the reason to tell the story is it was so cold, the blood just froze. And the officials pulled the players together after the first play. They're like, listen, no more whistles. The rest of the game, we're just going <laughs> to yell stop. stop. And, they, and they did. That's what they did the whole rest of the game. Like, they just yelled stop, and everybody did. But, like, that was, you know, so it's just a fun little football story with the cold. But, yeah, that, that, uh, that's incredible. You know, I think the, uh, some players on the Denver now. Broncos are going to be yelling stop this weekend. Uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> pretty <laughs> we'll much. We'll get into that. We'll get into that in a minute. I want to hit some reviews up. You guys have been absolutely awesome this month with the reviews. Most reviews we've ever had in a month by far. Got a couple new ones here. This one's from Mizu Andy over at Apple Podcast. Great Chiefs pod. He said, I've been listening to Verderam's NFL podcast. Now, I think this, this may be a, a Verderam burner review here, but he says, I've been listening to Verderam's <laughs> NFL podcast for a long time. And I just discovered this Chief-centric show. Matt is one of the best in the country. I highly recommend it. All right, who'd you pay to leave this review? Nobody, but I should have. Like, yeah, whoever, whoever that is, should DM me. I'll send you 50. Right? Send me 50 bucks. Beautiful thing. Thank you. That's very, very <laughs> kind. Overly kind, but I'll, I'll take it. And, a, and another, this is a, a really nice review from one of our regular listeners, Clinton Blake McKenzie. It says, Chiefs family, I've made no secret of how much I love this podcast. I get great information and insight delivered with warmth, personality, and fun. Verderam, you've been called warm. That's probably another first. Yeah, uh, yeah for sure. <laughs> Patrick, and, Patrick and Matt feel like family, and they're at the top of the list of people with whom I'd like to sit down and watch a Chiefs game. Likewise, Clinton. Uh, on a personal note, Matt, I'm praying for a full and quick recovery for your wife. And you and your whole, and hope you and your whole family are safe and healthy and blessed, Patrick. I pray that illness stays far away from you and yours, and that you enjoy the best of life's many blessings always. That's first of all, just th- thank you, Clinton. That's a really just kind yeah. uh, review, and we wish the same for you. And, and couldn't appreciate more uh, you saying all those things. And 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 it means a lot to us that you enjoy this podcast, and that it, you know I've I've lived far away from I, you know. In fact, I'm from Ohio. As you know, I've never lived in Kansas City. And, uh, I've lived in New York and, and, and know what it's like. I made some lifelong friends at a Chiefs bar out in, in New York city and some lifelong friends because of Arrowhead addict. I got to meet Matt because of our love of chiefs and, and getting to hire him over here at fan sided and work together. You know, it's it, fandom is really important to us. We work at fan sided and, um, we understand. So, uh, it's awesome that listening to this podcast is, is, uh, you know, makes you feel that way. And, and I hope that there are other listeners out there that are, are feeling the same. It's, it's a great way to connect, especially during this year. It's really tough. A lot of us are isolated. We can bond over our love of the Chiefs. And we, you know, by the way, and, and yes, I mean, thank you so much for the, the review. And uh, as an aside, uh, your, your prayers and, and mine are answered. Uh, Steph is uh, feeling a lot better. She's going to be out of quarantine tomorrow. So uh, everybody's doing good. So thank you very much. Um, and for anyone who's curious about that update, there you go. Um, so also, you know, hey, listen, it, it definitely is like one big family. And, you know, we'd love to meet a lot of you guys and gals who listen. So I mean, hopefully next year, if the world's back to normal, you know, maybe go out for training camp. Maybe, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll be able to have a meet up and, and meet people in Kansas City and whatnot. So um, that'd, be, that'd be something I'm sure we'd love to try to do and look into. Um, and, and hey, hopefully we will be back to normal. It seems like maybe that's possible. So um, you know, and I have a car now, Verderam, so I owe you at least one trip to Kansas City, road trip to Kansas <laughs> that's City. Right. Um, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Can't run out of some, gas. No, no, we better not. There's not a lot on the way. Um, no. 
And, and Clinton actually also had a question with his review, which as we, mm-hmm. we tell you all, you, you leave us a question on Apple Podcasts and a written review and we will answer it on the podcast. He says, how open, if at all, are you both to modifications of the Chiefs uniform, logos, color scheme, etc.? I, like Matt, am very much a traditionalist and am also chronologically disadvantaged. Huh. <laughs> so I am by nature resistant to change. However, I would still like to hear both of your feelings about the issue. Thanks for everything you do and go Chiefs. So I'm, I, I'm a traditionalist as well, but I, I do like variety, right? Um, I would never want the Chiefs to change anything primary, but I, I like the idea of uh, of alternate uniforms. I'm the same way with sequels. People get mad about sequels. Like, I didn't like the Star Wars sequel. You ruined it. Like, I'm sorry. It does not ruin, like, I'm a big horror fan. The Nightmare on Elm Street remake was terrible. It doesn't ruin the other movies for me. I, I can watch them. I'm not sitting there, like, stewing about the bad one. I've always wanted to see yellow Chiefs uniforms. And I've got, How actually... How dare you? you are, so you're just, you're fired up. I could tell. <laughs> I could tell. You knew I was going to go down this road and I could see the yeah, look on your face. No, like, listen, listen. First of all, thanks for the question. Second of all, no, they never changed anything significant. We riot, okay? They, they have some of those classic uniforms in the sport, especially now they're winning. They just won the Super Bowl. Look, I, I was unsure about how I felt when they went to that human ketchup bottle look with the red on red, but it's a special thing. Okay, now we got a quarterback who lives for ketchup. Fine, make the man happy. Gets to dress up like a bottle of it. Fine, I, I have no issue with that. I don't want a black jersey. I don't want a yellow jersey. I don't, if they ever do anything to the helmet, I'll go out of my mind. Like, leave it. It's perfect. It's a perfect look. Leave it alone. Um, I, I think I, I love that they put the AFL patch on their jerseys when Lamar Hunt passed away. I think that's cool that they made that permanent because they were obviously the, the founding franchise. Oh, he was the founder of it and, of course, founded the team. So, I think that's really unique. I think it's cool that they did that. It's an, it's a it's just differentiator for them. Um, I'll give you this though. And this might be controversial because I know some people feel really strongly about this one way or the other. I loved as and maybe it's just because this is when I became a fan of the team during the Schottenheimer era when I was a kid. I loved the white on white look on the road. And they have completely ditched that for the most part here. Uh, in the Andy Reid era, and really since since Schottenheimer, I think under Haley they did it more often. But I love that white on white look. I wish they'd wear it more often. I think it's clean. It, and I don't I don't dislike the red pants. I just think white on white. I, I love that. It's a classic look, and uh, they they do not wear. I think you know they wore it last year against the, or two years ago against the Rams on a Monday night game. Um, give me more of that. I love that look, but we we don't get it often. All right, I got to take a quick break here. We'll be back on the other side. I got more to say about this uniform stuff. This is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Okay, and we're back. Sorry about that early break. We're trying some new things here, and we're going to try to maybe front load uh, some of our breaks and have fewer as the podcast goes on. So appreciate your patience with that stuff. Got to keep the lights on, y'all. Okay, back on this uniform thing. Look, I don't want them to change it permanently. But like, so I bought like, I bought one of the alternate gold Mahomes jerseys, right? The yellow on red. And, I, and I've got the, the old school, you remember those old black and red and yellow ones they put out for like all the teams? Well, they weren't all black, red, and yellow, but it was like, I've got a Gonzalez jersey that's black, uh, which right. is before he went to the Falcons, obviously. I got kind of annoyed um, after that because I felt like it looked like I was wearing a Falcons jersey. But I thought those were fun. Like the black, black and red is a, is a great color scheme. and. What what's wrong with having an alternate that, you know, they come out and they've got gold jerseys and red pants or gold jerseys and white pants with the red trim and just flip, flip it. I just, I have no use for it. I, I feel <laughs> like they're, per, they're perfect. Now. Like, look, you, I'll give you another thing. You want to go to a, I'll give you a throwback thing. And I don't know how many people even know this. The cheese, the arrowhead on the cheese helmet used to be bigger. When, in the 60s and early 70s, the helmet they had a bigger – it's the same, same logo, just larger on the helmet. And the only reason they changed it was accidentally when they got a, a new batch shipped to them in the early 70s, the, the arrowhead happened to be smaller, and they just stuck with it. Um, have, do that. Go, go, to a, go to a bigger one with some, some gray face masks like they had during the Len Dawson era or something, 
And, and they wore the gray face masks last year against Minnesota. Um, so you could do that. But I just – look, when I think of the Chiefs, I think of red uniforms. I don't want to be looking at a mustard packet. I don't want to be looking at, like, them dressed up like, like Darth Vader. I, I just, the Raiders wear black. The Chiefs don't wear They're black. It's like, it's like when the Broncos went to these all-blue BS uniforms. They've got – look, yeah. you're the orange crush. Where are your orange uniforms? Like, stop, stop screwing around. Like, I, I don't, I just like, which by the way, the Broncos, an abomination of a uniform. And they yeah. had great ones with Elway, it, with, the, with great, the helmet, the light blue yeah. helmet. Mm-hmm. Say whatever you want. Like, I hate the Broncos as much as anybody. Those are great uniforms. And they went to this nonsense, and now they stink, and they got what they deserve. Okay? <laughs> the Chiefs, Indeed. don't mess with it. They never lose in these uniforms. Just leave it alone. I, I love their uniforms. I would be furious if they ever changed. What's your favorite combo? You mentioned the white on white. Is it the home uniform? The, the white pants? Yeah. Yeah, the, the home. Yeah. The red red jersey. And I don't know what it is. It's just the lighting. But like when they play a game in December or January at Arrowhead, it just like the light hits the uniforms different. It's almost like a deeper red. I just I love their uniform. I love the white pants, red socks, red jerseys, uh, you know, gold trim. It just it hits beautifully. I, I think really the Chiefs, the Steelers, the Packers, the Raiders have to be my four favorite uniforms in the NFL. And I don't think any of the other ones are even close. Colts are nice, uh, but I would take the other four. Steelers have great uniforms. I like the Browns. This is a controversial take. I'm from, I'm from Northeast Ohio, so I do, I do cheer for the Browns after the Chiefs. But I like the Browns uniforms. Uh, they, they the Browns are nice. The Browns year. are nice. I got the, no problem the, with the Browns. The, the, I like the classic Jim Brown look. You know, brown uniform, white pants, orange helmet. I think they look yes. really nice and clean. No logo. Get the. You know, I want to see the number on there. Um, yeah. All right. Let's let's get into uh, the the football game. But before we do, because I think this is a little bit more important. The the, the Pittsburgh Steelers played the Ravens yesterday yesterday afternoon, and boy, they did not look good. I mean, the, they were playing what I what I had I texted you the ghost of the Ravens because uh, it could have been the corpse of the Ravens. Those are not the Ravens that we know. I mean, when no. you when you bring in a Trace McSurley as a hail mary, you've got problems. And the hell of it is, they they if they had if they hadn't bungled if you if you missed the game that the Ravens were on the one foot line at the end of the first half and they called a weird timeout twenty seconds to go, then they ran the ball. And then they try to pass that should have been a touchdown. They ran out of time, basically scored no points. If they punch that in, this is a completely different game. Yeah. yeah. What, uh, what did you I mean, see from the Steelers yesterday? I saw, you know what, honestly, I can honestly say I've watched every snap of the Steelers this year. You know what I saw? The same team I've seen all year long. They, they thrive on turnovers. They get a lot of pressure. They can do it with blitzing. They can do it with four. Roethlisberger is going to throw the ball about nine feet every time he drops back. Um, and I don't mean yards, I mean feet. And he's going to hope for yards after the catch from Deontay Johnson, Claypool, Schmidt-Schuster. They can't run the ball. Um, you know, really, Claypool is the deep threat for them. Um, he, he dropped one that he could have had on, on Wednesday. But listen, ultimately, man, that's pretty much – what I saw, I mean, I saw a team that is very limited offensively, that is very good defensively, led by a ferocious front, although now they're going to be down Bud Dupree for the year, which is just, that is a massive loss. That is the equivalent of the Chiefs yeah. losing Kelsey or Hill. Like, he's got eight sacks for them and two forced fumbles. And he's phenomenal against the run. Like, he's a major problem. And for him, because look, it's all, it's all tied together. Right, like so now he's yeah. gone. He tore his ACL, and so with Dupree out, the Chiefs now it's a lot easier to double Watt and just say, you know what, beat us. Like and to, listen, Dave, other guys, Cam Hayward, even though he only has three sacks, he's just a very good player. Plays inside. Stephon Tewitt, former Notre Dame star, very good player, has seven sacks. He's a beast inside. But now, if you're the Chiefs, you can pinch the interior of the line. You can put Fisher on an island one on one, and you can you can double. Watt. And if you have Mitchell Schwartz back, you may not even need to double Watt. So, uh, in fact, I'm sure they wouldn't. So, it, it changes the equation quite a bit. Like, the Steelers' biggest thing is getting pressure 
and they and they just lost one of the biggest guys, which is why I said it's like the Chiefs losing Hill or Kelsey. What do, what do the Chiefs do best? They put an enormous amount of stress on the defense with their passing game. It really, I mean, so you know, for the yeah. Steelers to lose Bud Dupree in that game, yes, they won, but that was a very costly victory. And in the game, where they just, I mean, let's call a spade a spade. They looked like crap. They did not play well in that game, but they won because Baltimore threw for ninety yards. Yeah, Baltimore in in trouble, just trying to make the playoffs. Now, Raiders fans were happy uh, with that loss, with that outcome, because. Baltimore's got a pretty easy schedule the rest of the way. So if if, yeah. if Las Vegas wants to make the playoffs, that they're going to need some help, and yeah. they they couldn't afford to have the Ravens win a game like that. So it's going to be interesting down the stretch. We obviously wish Bud Dupree a, a fast recovery. We don't want to see guys get hurt. Yeah. We're confident in the Chiefs that they could beat anybody with any of their players. But there's just no denying that this is that on the football field. This is a positive for the Chiefs. It helps the Chiefs because it makes it a little bit harder for the Steelers to use the game plan that we know works best against Kansas City to be able to do exactly what the San Francisco 49ers did in the Super Bowl last year, which is get pressure with four, drop everybody else back into coverage. Um, that doesn't mean they still not going to still a very good defense, but this, is, this makes it a lot harder for Pittsburgh when they play Kansas City. Yeah, because the way they're going to beat the Chiefs, if they're going to beat them, is to get pressure with four. That's how you beat Kansas City. So the Chargers almost beat them this year. Um, even though the Raiders typically don't get a lot of pressure second half of the game when they beat Kansas City, that's what they did. They got pressure constantly in that game. You're not going to beat the Chiefs. You can't get to them. And now it puts the Steelers and, their, and Keith Butler, the defensive coordinator, in a bind. Are you, are you going to rush for and hope that you can get home, or are you going to blitz? And the, the Steelers blitz more than anybody in football. So without Dupree, are they going to blitz even more? My opinion they shouldn't blitz. The Chiefs will kill them if they blitz. But if the Steelers go to the playoffs and they're 16-0 and or they're even you know, 15-1, they're going to go into that game saying, this is what we've done all year. This is who we are. This is what works. And I know people say, well, that's crazy. you got to change. Go back to week three when the Chiefs played the Ravens. The Ravens have experience playing Kansas City. They know that the blitzing is a disaster, and they still did it. Teams are who they are in this league, except for the Patriots who change every week. I, I believe that Pittsburgh, especially now with Bud Dupree out, that they're going to blitz Kansas City. And I think if they do it, they're going to get torched like every other team. In the league. There, there was a stat I saw. I believe it was uh, ESPN Info that put it out there. QBR, this quarterback ranking, which is a scale of 1 to 100, they, they rated every quarterback against the blitz this year. And, you know, an average quarterback number obviously is 50 in general. And I don't know what the average quarterback was against the blitz. Mahomes was 98. I mean, that, that's impossible. That's bananas. Like that, that's unbelievable. Like, for, for, for reference, by the way, for the year, he's 85-something, which is the best in the NFL. He's 98 when you blitz him. So, yeah, listen, but the Dupree thing, to tie it all together, yeah, it's an absolutely massive loss for them. We'll be talking more about the Steelers as the season goes on here, especially when we're playing – teams like the Broncos, which, you know, Broncos have some talent. You don't want to overlook them. But let's get into this game. Chiefs versus Broncos. Chiefs 10-1. Broncos are 4-7. and seven. We'll get your primer here. Line on this game right now from DraftKings is Chiefs minus 13.5. Insane line. Um, and over-under is 50.5. I can see this one hitting the under because I, I don't know if the Broncos are going to be able to score. Um, but the Chiefs might score 50. So there you go. Uh, let's hit the injury report really quick. Uh, for the Chiefs, linebacker Dorian O'Daniel did not practice on Wednesday with an ankle. Defensive back, Bashad Breland did not practice. He's got an illness. He'll probably be fine. It's not COVID-related. Defensive Antonio Passano, uh limited with a hip. And offensive lineman Martinez Rankin was limited with a knee. For the Broncos, they're a little bit more banged up. Uh, defensive back Bryce Callahan moved to IR yesterday, I believe. Uh, he's got two yeah, interceptions yeah, for the team this out. season. He's a good player. Defensive end Shelby Harris actually returned to practice. That's good for the Broncos. He's got a couple sacks, but you know, it's just one of those things like these guys are professional athletes, but I could see him if he gets on the, he was limited. If I could see him, if he gets on the field against the chiefs, Maybe starting a little hot, but slowing down as the game goes on because there's just there's no way to get back into football shape unless you're playing football. And with the way that they practice now, it may take him a couple of weeks to to get back to full strength. Uh, 
Tackled Demar Dotson, did not practice. He's got a hand. Running back Philip Lindsay had a knee injury last week. Now, you and I have talked about on this podcast, we think Lindsay's the best running back on this team. Broncos seem like they maybe figured that out the last couple of weeks, but Lindsay got hurt. Big Fangio, though, did say that it's a minor knee injury. He thinks Lindsay will play. I'll tell you what, if Lindsay doesn't play, he was running very well against the Chiefs in the first game. It was about the only thing that was working before he left with an injury. They really need him if they're going to be competitive in this game. And, and then safety, Trey Marshall did not practice with the shin. Outside linebacker Malik Reed did not practice with the shin. What's going on over there with the shins over at the Broncos? <laughs> Jerry Judy was limited with an ankle. He's wide receiver for them, a uh, talented rookie. And then safety, P.J. Locke, limited with a shoulder. So the Broncos just uh, – we know what happened with them last week with all the quarterbacks being on the COVID list and starting a wide receiver. They can't afford to be banged up at all playing a team like the Chiefs. No. They, they can't even afford to be healthy and play the Chiefs. <laughs> right, um, right. I mean, let's, let's just call that what it is. Look, they, they are extremely limited offensively, okay? If you go down the list and you look at the way they've played offensively this year, they just do not do much well. They run the ball decently, okay? Philip Lindsay's played eight games this year, 414 yards, five yards a pop. Somehow he's only got 82 carries this year, which just blows my mind. I just do not understand for the life of me why. Um, you know, and, and then Gordon averages a little over four yards of carry. He's been okay. Receiving-wise, they're, they're limited. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. Look, Jerry Judy's leading them with 589 yards, which is just fine. It's a good rookie year. Um, Tim Patrick, who's a, who's a bigger receiver with some speed, 563. But they just – it's frankly, it's a bunch of guys. I mean, they're, they're okay. There's a reason that they stink passing the ball as a quarterback. Locke has been awful this year. He's got seven touchdowns, 11 picks, barely completing 55.5% of his throws, 6.6 .6 yards in attempt is terrible. If you're not at seven, you're, you're bad. And frankly, even if you're at seven, you're, you're not having a great year. Um, they've not been good. They've not been good. Their pass rush – is, however, Malik Reed, who you mentioned, is out with his shin. He's got six and a half sacks. Chubb has seven and a half. Um, nobody else is really worth mentioning in the, in the sack totals, uh, but they do have 31 as a team, which is significant. But they're just not very good. I mean, there's, there's really no other way to say it. You know, Bryce Callahan being out hurts. Uh, he's got a couple picks this year. He's a very good slot corner. They're, they're going to be up against it, against the Chiefs. There's just no... There's no two ways. They're going to they're gonna have a very tough game. And you mentioned the spread is 13 and a half. In most books, it's 14. So, uh, and it opened to 13. So, you know, look, Kansas City is expected to go in and handle business, but it's a division game. Um, and, you know, you always have to be aware for stuff like that because the Broncos did not play badly against the Chiefs last time defensively. They were undone by the fact they gave up two non-offensive touchdowns. So the Chiefs will have to, you know, maybe change some things up, rectify some things on offense. Yeah, last game – Chiefs 43, Broncos 16, and then Locke in that game, not good. 24-40, completed 60% of his passes for 254 yards, 6.3 average, no touchdowns, two interceptions. I mean, what do you do if you're, if you're Denver to try to manufacture some offense? Because if I'm the Chiefs, I'm just I'm loading up the box. Saying, Go ahead, big boy, throw it, because we're not yeah. scared of you. Yep, yep. I think you have to. Um, I, I think you absolutely have to do that against Denver, right? Like you, you single up on the outside and you just say, look, we respect the fact you have some decent players on the outside and Patrick and Judy, but we don't care because of who's throwing the football. If you're going to beat us, you're going to beat us with him throwing on second and eight and third and seven and fine. Try and be, and we're going to bring blitzes. We're going to come after you. We're going to be aggressive. I think if you're Kansas City, that has to be the way you play. And they played well against them last time. They only gave up 16 points, and one of those touchdowns was in garbage time. The other one was off a fumble that Nick Kaiser lost at like the 20-yard line. So the Chiefs were very good defensively in the last game. Last year against Denver, they held them to a total of, I believe it was 10 points, uh, nine points, nine points. So Spagnuolo's done very well against his team, against his quarterback. I'm not that worried about it. But, yes, you take Lindsey and Gordon out of the game, you force them to throw the ball. And really, I think if you're Denver, listen, the way they're going to have to stay in this, they're going to have to be able to run the ball very, very effectively. And I think you're also going to have to hit some big plays. They're going to have to get two or three huge plays down the field. And it, it could because they're not going to drive the ball 12 plays at a shot, maybe more than one or two times in a the game. There's just not. They're not talented enough. So they're going to need 
big plays, and they're going to need enough of the ground game to shorten the game. A normal team in a game gets about 12 possessions. Denver's going to want Kansas City to be around eight or nine. And if they can't do that, they're going to get killed. This game is also in Kansas City. We've already gone to Denver, so it's not the kind of Arrowhead advantage that we're used to, obviously, with the COVID protocols and all that. But still, the Broncos, it's a, you know, it's a bit of a flight. They've got to travel to Kansas City. That's not going to work in their favor either. And then you've got the quarterbacks who have not been able to practice for a week, and they didn't play a game. So, you know, I don't know. If I'm the Broncos, maybe I've got those guys, and maybe I've had those guys working on Kansas City for, you know, the week where they weren't going to be able to play. But do you think, I mean, my God, do you, do you think they come out and they look rusty on offense? Uh, I think they just typically look rusty on offense. So, I, I mean, look, I'm not, like, I'm not trying to be the overconfident <clears throat> guy here, but like, let's just call it what it is. Den- Denver's bad <laughs> offensively. They're bad. They, they are going to struggle to score a ton of points in this game. And weather shouldn't be a factor. I mean, it's going to be cold. It's going to be in the high 20s, maybe low 30s, but it's supposed to be clear. Um, I don't think that's going to matter at all. I just think what's going to matter is Denver just simply does not have a good quarterback. He can't play. I do my quarterback rankings every Tuesday for fan side, and I think I have a lock right now. Is the worst is the worst normal starting quarterback. I mean, I'm not including guys like Brandon Allen and Mike Glennon, but like the worst starting quarterback in the league outside of Carson Wentz. I mean, and, and you can make an argument he's worse than Wentz. Locke has been awful. And the problem that Denver has with Locke is he throws picks. Well, the Chiefs, say what you want about him defensively, they turn the ball over. The Chiefs take the ball away from other teams, just ask Tom Brady. They, they, they did it against Locke the last time they saw each other. I just feel like in this game, Locke's going to make enough. Like, first of all, even if he doesn't make mistakes, he's probably going to get beat handily. But if he makes mistakes, he throws a pick or two. They're going to get destroyed. I mean, they, they just do not have the wherewithal to hang. And the other part of it, too, and I think this is an important note, as you get into December, now this year, usually getting into December, you have four games left. This year, you have five. So you actually play a regular season game on January 3rd. I do think when you get to this time of the year, the teams that are, are, are good teams, great teams, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, New Orleans, whoever you want to run there, those teams understand what's on the line. They're revving it up right now. They know they got a month to go to the playoffs. They're trying to get the best position possible. They're going full tilt. If guys are a little banged up, they're playing because they know everything's on the line, right? This is money time. Conversely, if you're four and seven like Denver, you're kind of going, man, I'm a little banged up this week. Eh, I don't know if I want to play this game. You know what? Or, you know, hey, uh, you know, if you're a coaching staff, you're going to maybe play some of the younger guys. You're going to want to get a look at those guys. I've always felt you're better off on your schedule playing hard teams early and the softer teams late because those teams are just not going to, they're not going to be going all out in terms of who they put on the field. I mean, I'm not saying the effort won't be there, but I am saying that you will see younger guys. You'll see maybe some, some different kinds of play calling because they're trying to get a different look in some certain, in some certain uh, schemes and some certain personnel groupings. So I think the Chiefs get an advantage here as they play Denver, the Chargers, and the Falcons down the stretch, who just simply are playing for nothing. They don't, I mean, and especially Denver and the Chargers. You know, at least the Falcons, maybe Raheem Morris coaching for a job. The Chargers and Broncos, I mean, they're, they're just counting the days at this point until the season's over with. Yeah, I got to get those tea times scheduled. Okay, we're going to take our last break of the podcast. On the other side, we will uh, talk a little bit more Chiefs-Broncos, and we'll, of course, have our predictions. We'll be right back. All right, we are back. This is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. We are previewing Chiefs-Broncos Part 2. The first part was excellent. Let's hope that the the sequel is just as good for Chiefs fans. So we're going into this game, and it, there's not a ton to break down because we know that the Chiefs are just way better than the Broncos, and this is probably going to be a game unless the Chiefs are just completely out of their mind. They win pretty easily. But it also is an opportunity to get better, right? And that's what you just talked about. It's December. We're heading into playoff time. What do you want to see from the Chiefs' offense in this game as they go up against the Broncos that you'd like to see them improve, if they can improve anything? So, look, I, I want to see the Chiefs get a pass rush in this game. I want to see the Chiefs, and, and, and not just when they're blitzing. Like, I want to see Chris Jones and Frank Clark in this game show up and, and 
show up on the stat sheet as well. Look, the effort's there. I'm not, although Chris Jones against the Raiders, there are some plays in that game where, my God, he was based on vacation. But the effort's been there from Clark all year, most of the time from Jones. I want to see it. And I get it. Look, and I know people hate when this is said, but it's the truth. These guys are human beings. I get that they probably look at some of these teams, and they're bored with it. They're like, yeah, great. We're playing the Panthers this week. We're going to kill the Panthers. We don't, we don't care. Like, it's just – and I, I know they shouldn't feel that way. And, I'm, and, and obviously, I don't know for a fact that they do, but I'm sure human nature takes over to some extent. But this week, I, I want to see the Chiefs go out and, and play a really lockdown, get pressure on the quarterback type of game. Hit, you know, get five or six sacks. This should be a game where Locke's got to throw the ball a ton because they're going to be losing. Go after them. And then on the, on the flip side, offensively, look, I just want to see them keep doing what they've been doing. They've been great offensively, spread the ball around, protect Mahomes. Um, that was one thing actually against Denver last time. You know, Denver got some licks on Mahomes. Protect them. You know, keep, keep them upright. Um, but offensively, I don't have many qualms at all. If the Chiefs have proven that they need to run the ball, they can do it. They're great throwing the ball. They're better than any team in the league at that. So I'm fine with it. I, but defensively, I do. I want to see and, – and, and the other last thing, clean up the damn penalties. Stop taking a dozen penalties every game. Yes. And give me a yes. game where you get five or six sacks and you take no more than a half dozen penalties. They do that, I'd be very happy. I'd like to see the Chiefs put their, you know, step on the throat of the Broncos when – they get up big in this game and not let them kind of hang around because I think if there's one criticism you can lay on this team is that we saw it last week with Tampa Bay, right? They just kind of let their foot off the gas and they don't really put teams away. And I've seen, there's some other teams like you look at when the Steelers played the Browns, right? It was kind of shocking off for the Browns first big game for that team in a while. They were getting after Mayfield. It was a problem. And the Steelers just never let their foot off the gas. They killed them. Right. And the Browns have to be thinking about that when they go into this next game. It's like, oh, geez, these guys crushed us. Right. There's a mental aspect to it. And with Kansas City, and you know, obviously Tampa Bay is a very good football team, but I think the Browns are right there with, they're, they're not as maybe talented as Tampa Bay. But like, what is it with the Chiefs in these games? Do they get in the second half and they're like, you know, Andy's been criticized his whole career for not running the ball and you get into some of these drives where they run it a couple times, you know, and they get shut down and then they only have like one chance to pick up the first down and they're punting. The, the, the thing about Tampa Bay is after those two turnovers, Chiefs, I think, but they went three and out on both of them, right? Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. It sounds right. Um, I, I, I think you're right. I know one of them for sure they went three and out. They got the ball back and then went three and out, punted it right back. But, but that, is a, that is a good point with the Chiefs with that sometimes. The Chiefs let these teams hang around in these games. And again, I, I, may, I don't know. Maybe I'm being an apologist. I just think a lot of it is boredom. They get up and they figure, well, we're not going to lose this game. We're, you know, we'll put them away if we have to. But I agree. And they actually did do this against Denver last time they played them. But bury them. Finish the job. Like, look, right. we're in December now. And these are all really high-level nitpicking criticisms of the Chiefs because they're 10-1. They're great. Like, I, look. I would take the Chiefs over anybody in the NFL. And by the way, that includes without question Pittsburgh. I don't I don't care if Pittsburgh finishes the season 16 and 0. I think the Chiefs are going to roundhouse them if they see them in the playoffs. But that that said, look, it's all about getting better so that when you get to the playoffs, if you, whether you got to play two games to get to Super Bowl or three, that you have prepared yourselves in a way that even if you have a day where you don't play perfect, you're still going to win the game. And the Chiefs have the, that ability. They're so talented that, look, they didn't play perfect against Tampa. They were, they were great in the first quarter. And then after that, took a lot of penalties. They had the turnover in the red zone. Mahomes, for once in his life, missed a throw. That he, he'll make 99 times out of 100 to Hardman. Now, Hardman would still be running if he caught that ball. So these are all things like, you know, like most teams, they miss a play like that. That's the game. Like that is the easiest touchdown in the world. Most teams would go, my God, that was seven points. That's the margin of the game. For the Chiefs, it was like, oh, that stinks. He could have had 600 passing yards. Like, it just didn't even phase them. But, you, you know, in the playoffs, that might matter. Now, I'm not worried about Mahomes making a throw. The bigger point is, you're right, Patrick. This is a game. They should win this game no matter what. I mean, unless they really just fall apart, they're going to win. But, like, go out and execute. Dominate. Win this game in a way that you come out of there all sides of the ball 
feeling really good. I want to see Bucker, who's been very good at, after the bye week here. Knock through all your extra points. Make your field. I mean, just keep building that foundation so that when you hit the playoffs, you feel great about yourself in all phases. I'd like to see a good running game in this one as well. I, I know that the Chiefs, that's not what they go to first. If you want to be running your offense, you want Mahomes throwing the football, right? This is a no-brainer. Sure. But I would like to see them, and I think that that is where, and look, Tampa Bay is, has a very good run defense, maybe one of the best run defenses in the NFL. But you would have liked to have seen the Chiefs be able to come out with CEH and Le'Veon Bell in that game in the second half and just milk the clock and run it down their throat, tire out this defense who's been chasing the Chiefs. Maybe the Chiefs scored too fast. I don't know. But yeah, I agree. Like, let's just put these teams away. And because, you know what, instead of having to like, oh crap, we got to get these first down so they don't get the ball back and we don't like accidentally blow this game, sit the fourth quarter out. They should not have, Mahomes and Hill and Kelsey should have been sitting on the bench in the fourth quarter of that game. And if they had just executed better in the third quarter, they would have been. So, and that's, and that's too, like, when, in a game like this, it should be over at halftime. In fact, the goal should be for this game to be over at halftime because then you don't end up in some weird situation where you're halfway through the fourth quarter and the, and the Broncos, it's a two-score game for whatever reason, and then Travis Kelsey gets hurt. Knock on wood, right? Like, or Tyreek Hill pulls yesterday. his hand. Right, exactly. I mean, if Pittsburgh had handled business against Baltimore, Bud Dupree's not even in that game. That was four minutes left. So, well, listen, there's, there's truth. And by the way, as a fun side note here, uh, the Chiefs can clinch the division on Sunday. They would need the Raiders to lose to the Jets, which would be hilarious. But it, um, I'll tell you that, what, the Raiders the, play like they did against the Falcons. They will lose. Well, you know what? Last year they lost to the Jets 34-3. to uh, I'm not picking the Raiders to lose, but, boy, that would be hilarious. So – if the Raiders lose and the Chiefs win, the Chiefs win the division. If the Chiefs win and the Raiders win, they, they, they live for another day. But then obviously Kansas City in Miami next weekend, if they were win that game as well, they win the AFC West for the fifth straight time. Um, and by the way, just take a minute to appreciate that. Like, you know how hard it is to win a division five years in a row? I, I, New England spoiled everybody because New England won the AFC East every year, but the AFC East is basically like three high school teams and them for two decades. Kansas City, in that stretch, has twice had to beat out a Tino in 12 and 4 and did it both times. Um, five years in a row, this for a Chiefs team that never, ever had won the AFC West two years in a row before this stretch. So, you know, when you, you think about how great the team has been, and obviously that stretches back to Alex Smith and, and the Tom Bali years and all those things. I mean, just consider – so the AFC West, as we know it, was formed – I mean, I, I guess I shouldn't say as we know it since it's had some different iterations. But the Chiefs, since the merger, okay, in 1970, because they didn't even win the division in 69 when they won the Super Bowl. They actually were the wild card team. Um, the Chiefs won the division in 1971, then didn't win it again until 1993. Won it in 95-97-03. 2010, and now this current stretch. So they, they're going to win the division this year. It'll be the fifth time in a row. Since the merger had happened, before this stretch, they had won it six times total. So enjoy it. As much as we sit here and talk about what we like to see, and, and, and those things are all valid, just know yeah. how great of a stretch this is. We've talked about this on this podcast before. This is a golden age. This is the golden age of Chiefs football. I know, obviously, the, the no late doubt. 60s, but this is it. I mean, yeah, they won that Super Bowl. They were good. They were in, in Super Bowl One and Super Bowl Four. You're looking at a team, and I mean, things could change fast in the NFL, but you're, if you look at the rest of the NFL in the AFC, Roethlisberger's done. The, the, the yes. Patriots don't have yeah. a quarterback. Belichick's going to retire soon. Brady's in the NFC, and he's done. Who are you worried about from a quarterback? You're not worried about Ryan Tannehill. Maybe Justin Herbert. Herbert, honestly, Herbert would be the biggest one. I mean, in in the AFC, with luck retiring, Roethlisberger being done, with all due respect to Lamar Jackson, I'm not afraid of Lamar Jackson at all. Um, 
I mean, look, the, the, I give you the guys. Herbert, I think, has a really bright future. If they get the right coach, you know, like if Eric Bieniemy went to the Chargers, that would be interesting. Um, I respect the car has been better this year, but I'm not, I'm not scared of Derek Carr. Um, I'm just trying to run through him in my head. I guess he's I guess Chad Pennington, guy, right? Car's Chad uh, Pennington. I think much, he's going to yeah. have Chad Pennington. That's a, that's a pretty good one. Yeah, he is. He is. Like Tannehill, I respect, but yeah, I'm not scared of him. The two, okay, so the three guys, haven't now thought about it for a second. Herbert, Watson, although Watson's stuck on a god-awful team. If they ever got a team around them, Watson's really, really good. And Josh Allen, I think, at least belongs like in the we're watching closely discussion. He's not there yet to me, but he's made a huge leap here in the third year. They're a good team. They're really well coached. Those, those would be the but, – but again, like would I take Mahomes and the Chiefs over any of those? Situ- yeah. yeah, not even close. Like, yes, absolutely. I mean, two of those teams we just mentioned suck. And the Bills, like the Chiefs went into Buffalo and Allen didn't throw for 100 yards until like the last drive of the game. So, yeah, I would absolutely take Kansas City. Right now, the Chiefs are positioned to be absolutely dominant in that conference for at least the next five years. They just are. I mean, Hill's in his prime. Kelsey, look, he's going to get older. He's 31 now. But Kelsey runs routes so well and has such good communication with Mahomes. Kelsey's going to be really good for a long time. I'm not, I'm not worried he's going to fall off a cliff. They've got Edwards and Lair for years to come. They've got Andy, who's just signed the five-year extension. They got Brett Veach, who just signed the five-year extension. Like they're, they're in a position, and, and Matthew's going to be the next guy to sign an extension. You can take that to the bank. Um, the next five years, they're going to be the team that every year going into the this season, you're going to be going, yeah, okay, they should go to the Super Bowl. No, I'm not saying they will do it every year, but they should. It's going to be fantastic. I'm going to soak all of this up <laughs> as much as I can. All right. Um, we're going to get to our predictions in just a minute. We get a fan question. One more from, from, uh, from one of our reviews. This didn't come through Apple. I think it came through something else. Uh, but this is, we had a discussion, you and I, a couple, you know, couple weeks back about white chocolate. Yes. We said we think it's underrated. It is. So player, player 0140 on November 27th wrote white chocolate. FYI, white chocolate is cocoa butter and sugar, 60%. So just mix sugar in your suntan lotion and have at it, LOL. What do you think? Are you, are you offended? Do you feel personally attacked? I kind of do. That said, man's a listener, so thank you. Um, <laughs> but, thank you. Uh, you know, but hey, white chocolate is fantastic. I had a little piece of a little white breakup yesterday, um, and I, I will hear no slander for it. It is, it is an excellent chocolate. I love that. I think you mentioned this actually when we were having this conversation, but those Hershey's cookies and cream bar. Yeah. Fantastic. So good. So good. I mean, I, I look, you know, but I, I will also say this. I am a fan of the whole genre. I like dark chocolate. Obviously, I love milk chocolate. I love white chocolate. Um, it's very hard for you to really screw up my, my chocolate palate. And, and you start getting into like, and I feel the same way about pizza. You start putting fruit in it. Now we got a problem. Okay. You're not a Hawaiian like, pizza guy? No. Throw right in the garbage. Um, <laughs> It, it enrages me. I don't understand. Why would you screw up such a beautiful thing? Now, yeah. I am a big fan. I know on the East Coast, this is a big thing. I don't know. Out here, it's, it seems like it's not as much, but in the Midwest. But I, like, I love, and I know you can identify this. You lived in New York for a decade. Like, they'll, they'll turn pizza into any kind of thing. Like, taco pizza, lasagna pizza. Like, that is awesome. I am all for Like, if you can, like, who doesn't love tacos and who doesn't love pizza? And now you've married the two in a beautiful union. Don't screw it up with some damn pineapple slice. You're right. a serial killer. Go yeah. out and get some taco pizza and enjoy yourself. Or bake ziti pizza or the place over in Chicago who's got Nemo's. Shout out to them. Phenomenal place in Wrigleyville. Mac and cheese pizza. Oh, now, God. Look, you're going to blow your arteries out. Okay. That's yeah. something you yeah. maybe only have if, you, if you've had a couple of adult beverages. But my God. It is, and they have the chicken bacon ranch pizza. I always get one slice of each. I feel disgusting afterwards, but the hell with it. It's it's yeah. incredible. It's so good. Big G's Pizza in Wrigleyville as well, just like right mm-hmm. down the street, right around the corner from my house. They've got all the the fantastic different types of pizza that you could buy by the slice. Uh, you know, sometimes my, my wife she works in non for profit theater and she works late a lot. So, well, she used to back when you know you were able to leave the house, and like sometimes yeah. I come home from work and I knew that like. There was no food in the house, or I didn't feel like cooking for just me. And I'm just I'm walking past Big G's every time, and I'm like, all right, 
Buffalo chicken pizza, mac and oh, cheese pizza. Yes. Let's go, yes. you know, pick up like a two liter of Dr. Pepper or something. Just come home and like play Madden and veg out. Um, Is that right near yeah. uh, ALS beef? ALS beef. <laughs> That's a great story. All right. So famous, famous place here in, in Chicago is Al's beef. Okay. Chicago is really big on these Italian beef sandwiches. So Vergram and I had just moved here to work for Fansided. I'd been here a little bit before him. He moved out. We're hanging out in Wrigleyville one night and he gets a text from a, a former coworkers of, of ours, Jonathan Bass. And we were trying to meet up with, him. and he said, I'll be, <laughs> I'll be right there. I'm at Al's beef, but Vergram didn't know what Al's beef was. So he sees the text. And he says, I'm at ALS beef. <laughs> and not to, not to make light of Lou Gehrig's disease, which is absolutely well, of course, horrible. Of course not. But, but I'm like, dude, <laughs> it's Al's beef. And I remember you were so annoyed. You're like, well, I didn't know. And I'm like, would you think it was Lou Gehrig's disease beef? Hey, he didn't <laughs> put in the damn place. apostrophe. <laughs> I never, never seen the freaking place before, right? Yeah, yeah. I was dying. I was really going to laugh at that. I, uh, I, did, I, did, I did have to laugh myself. That was pretty good. Um, and by the way, listen, if you leave a rating, if you leave a comment this, this week, leave in the comment, leave your thoughts on pineapple pizza. Okay. Because I want to circle back to this. Yeah. Fan or visceral hatred? We all know where I stand on this, but I, I want to know, like, how do you feel about fruit on pizza? I'm assuming that's the only fruit you'd put on pizza. Anybody who's putting anything else on it, I, I question even further. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, listen. Uh, I want to know. I want. I want to know the thoughts that people have on. Uh, and also, throw your thoughts in on dessert pizza. I. I am actually um, not a fan of that. I think that's out of control. Um, you know what? Some people I, love dessert pizza. I worked at Pizza Hut back in in uh, high school. Oh God! And uh, I had a younger kind of manager, like college age guy, who, uh, you know, he's a good guy. Um, I was sixteen, and we. We would get bored. We'd play NBA Jam all the time. We'd make Drano bombs in the parking lot, like all kinds of stuff. We'd <laughs> flirt with the, with the gals who worked over at the ice cream store next door. So one day I'm like, I, I, let's make a dessert pizza or something. So like we go to the, the, the Dollar Tree or whatever across the parking lot, and we made a dessert pizza. We get this like sugar dough, and we put like Snickers on it and stuff. Sold a few of them to customers off the menu. We're in there at work one day with this, this manager, Veronica, who is a horrible person, by the way. Uh, Veronica comes back and she says, hey, Kenny, Patrick, come here. I'm like, what? She's like, those customers out there just asked me for uh, that Snickers pizza they had the other night. You know anything about that? We're like, no, we don't have a Snickers pizza. Um, almost, got, almost got busted there. Probably Pizza Hut's going to, lawyers are going to be reaching out to me. Um, selling off the menu stuff. But that was a, that was a fun job. That, that was the woman who, uh, she was a horrible person. I won't get into many of the reasons why she was horrible, but she, she managed that store. They, we ran out of pepperoni one night at Pizza Hut. Wow. I had to drive two, two, two cities over to get pepperoni from another store. So um, That's a disgrace. Anyway, it was a disgrace. Uh, it, it, I, was, I was like, we're out of pepperoni. And she's like, what? And I'm like, how did we run out of pepperoni at Pizza Hut? Now, what are you doing? Like that, that's an inventory faux pas to end all inventory faux pas. Like, yes. My God, you run out of anchovies. Who cares? You, yeah, you run out yeah. of pepperoni. That's, that's tough. Absolutely incredible. Okay. I wanted to, to call out before we get to our predictions. Uh, Adam Teicher, who I'm sure all you Chiefs fans know and, and used to work at the Kansas City Star for years, did a, did a great job. Even though all y'all like to hate on him. You think he Poor hates guy the gets cheese. more crap. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm terrible. I used to make fun of him when I ran Arrowhead Addict about the, the vlog, video vlogs he used to do in his basement. Lighting was terrible. Those were not good. Uh, yeah, yeah. I used, to, I used to tease him about that. Adam's, Adam's a great, great reporter. Does a great job covering the Chiefs for ESPN. Uh, he wrote a really great article on Andy Reid this week. If you haven't read it, it's called Success, Trust, and Burn Ends. Now I'm hungry. Why Everyone Loves Andy Reid. Um, it was. Just, I just wanted to recommend it. It's a really good article about you. You hear how well respected Andy Reid is all the time. How much players love him. He's a players' coach, well respected in the league. And this just kind of goes into if you're a leader uh, in any capacity, and even if you're not, just to kind of read about the way Andy approaches working with people and 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 all of this. This doesn't come from Andy for the most part. This this article is, is Adam talking to former players or current players of the Chiefs. 
And to, to find out about the way that Andy approaches leadership, I think is just really interesting. And it's one of the reasons why, aside from being a brilliant offensive mind and coach, he's successful is because it's not just the scheme. It's the way that the players play within the scheme. And he had a great quote from, from our friend, Jeff Allen, friend of the show. Uh, hopefully it will be a frequent guest was on a couple weeks ago. And, and, and we talked about Jeff, if you listen, and Jeff talked about deciding to retire a little bit early and had some health things and family things that were important to him and why he decided to step away. And that was really interesting. And in, his, in this article, he said, he talked to Andy about uh, retiring. And he said, you know, we, I'm going to read the quote from the article. We had conversations that were outside of football about where I was personally, Alan said. Before I decided to retire, we had a conversation about it. We sat down and talked about what was best for me, and he supported me on that. I felt like I could still play, but there were things in my life, injuries, life at home, my future. You don't get his reputation by just being a good football coach. You also get it by being a good person. Alan finished uh, by summing it up about many of the ways, the, the way that players feel about Reed. You, you don't feel like you're playing for Andy Reed, he said. You feel like you're playing with him. It's great. It's fantastic. It is a really great and, quote. You know, that, that's great. And I, I haven't even read it. I, I, I'll read it right after this. I, you know what? I'm friends um, with Jeff Schwartz, who I did Sack in the Box with for a while. Um, and Jeff obviously played for the Chiefs for one year back in 2013. Great guy. Great guy. Um, now, he, of course, still has his brother on the team. So he roots for the Chiefs. He's very open about that. But Jeff is also – I mean, Jeff loves Andy Reid. Played him for one year but loves Andy Reid. And I think that's – players always care. It's like any other relationship you have in, in business and in life. Like if, if somebody cares about you, you're going you're gonna to go that extra mile for them, right? And, and you want them to know you care back. And I think, you know, in the NFL, like Matt Patricia just got fired with the Lions. I'm not, look, I'm not even going to dump on Matt Patricia. I do that enough on Stacking the Box if you want to hear that. Um, but – Part of the problem, and Kalen Kaner, who used to work at SI, now does some stuff over at Bleacher Report, uh, really great person, an excellent reporter and writer. She wrote this big, long-ranging piece on Patricia, talked to some players over at the Lions, some ex-players, and they talked about just how like he was just such an author- authoritarian all the time. Players just don't – after a while, that's just exhausting. you know. And, and even if you're winning, it's exhausting. I know people will play, well, what about a guy like Bill Parcells? Right, like Parcells is known for being a tyrant all the time, and they went. But Bill Parcells had an incredible ability to turn that off and become like a father figure to a lot of these guys. And you know, I remember uh, Curtis Martin, who was a running back for him for both the Patriots and the Jets. I think he won the Offensive Player of the Year. It was a large award, something of that note. And Martin left the award on Parcell's desk with a handwritten note about how much he means to him as a, as a person. Like that kind of stuff matters. And I think with Andy, it was telling last year I was down at Super Bowl, got to talk to a lot of the guys in the team, you know, either in a group setting or even one-on-one in a lot of cases, even without being prodded about it, there was so much talk about how much it meant for them to win it for Andy Reed. Like, think about that. Like these guys in some cases have been playing football for 20, 25 years, maybe in some cases have been a professional for a decade and they wanted to win it for someone else. Like I, that, to me, spoke volumes about how, what they think about him. And uh, it's obviously been a, a beautiful marriage for Kansas City. Yeah, you see Travis Kelsey on the sideline rubbing Andy's shoulders after a close game. You know, just yeah. And the way that he reacts to the players is just – there's other things that are great in the article. They, they talk about his demeanor, how he doesn't yell a lot. You can kind of tell when he's upset or if he starts talking fast – you know, that, you know, he's, he's maybe got a burr in a saddle, but he treats them like adults. He stays out of their way. He trusts them. He trusts their ideas. And that doesn't mean that he doesn't want them to work hard and that he doesn't expect the best from them, but some leaders, and, and this is something I, I try to study and, and, and wish I could be better at, but some leaders have a way of making people feel accountable without threatening them or without making them feel like, you know, Hey, you're getting in trouble if you don't do this. The people just, they do it because they know what's expected of them and they know that they're trusted to do the job. And so they do it not for the leader. They're not doing it for Andy. They're doing it for themselves. They want to be right good at their job. And they think that Andy supports them in that. And there's other quotes in there too about 
how Andy puts guys in positions to succeed. He doesn't ask them to do things that they're not good at. He tries to highlight what they're good at. They also talk about how on Fridays, the offensive linemen get to play wide receiver and how much the offensive linemen love that. Andy's obviously a former wide receiver. And you see it in games where he's designed some of these red zone plays for the big guys to try to score a touchdown. You know, and if they show out in the, in the practice period and they show they've got good hands, maybe he draws something up for them. And those little things that, that keep the game fun and, and you've got a guy out there who's killing himself, running in, having a car wreck 40 times a game, He's like, you know, maybe one day Andy will let me carry the ball. I'll get to score a touchdown, spike it. I, I think that's really, really insightful as to why this team is so good. Yeah, I, I, think, I think you're right. Um, look, and by the way, I mentioned earlier they can clinch the division. They can clinch the, uh, a playoff spot by just winning. So they went on nice. Sunday, they, they clinched the playoffs. Um, and that would be for the sixth straight year. And seven out of eight with Andy Reid. So not bad. But yeah, listen, they, they have all the pieces. And that's why we talk about them in a way that, you know, we almost, I feel like almost borders on overconfidence. But really, like, I think about football every day, even when I'm not working. I mean, I, it's my life along with my family and friends. And I, I just really, to me, they're better this year than they were last year. I mean, Absolutely. this time last year, they were, you know, seven and four and just kind of finding themselves. This team is just this team has games. You look at them and you're like, I don't care what, like, I really feel genuinely like I don't care what any team does against them. If the Chiefs play well, they're winning period. Like, I don't care what scheme the other team has, what strengths they have, what weaknesses they have. Homer away. Doesn't matter. Makes no difference. If Kansas city plays well, it's going to win. And a lot of that comes down to Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it's just how many teams can can do the things sometimes that they do. I mean, they, the Buccaneers, look, I understand the game was made close at the end. The game was 17-0 after a quarter. The game was over. I mean, yeah. Tampa Bay never had the ball with a chance to tie the game, ever. Like, and at that point, yeah, they, they, margin, they made the margin smaller, but they never really came close to winning. They never even had the ball to shot to tie it. Like, it's just the Chiefs are so dominant, and it's because of the systems Reed has put in place. And it's because they have the best quarterback on earth. That's it. All right. And with that, let's get to our long-awaited predictions for this weekend. These are fun. They're close. Verderam, you've got it. Chiefs 34, Broncos 16. Do you want to talk about that? You have anything to say about it? I mean, I, <laughs> gonna kill I just think I think Kansas City is going to get a few extra possessions on turnovers. I think Mahomes will play well, like he always does. Uh, and I think them being without Callahan matters because he's a, he's a very good player, and I would argue he's their best corner. And without him, I, I think Kansas City is just going to be able to attack them quick if they have to on any kind of blitzes. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's a whole home game. I think it's the kind of game where the Chiefs get up and they just kind of slowly pull away. You know, ten nothing, and then maybe it's ten ten seven, and then it's, you know twenty to seven, twenty to 10, something like that. I just think it'll be a game where they just kind of slowly, methodically, just, okay, you know, let's put Denver in the rear view. All right. You've got a 34 Broncos 16. I've got a 35 Chiefs 35 Broncos 17. I'm excited about this. I love when the Chiefs are on Sunday Night Football. Other than that, we have to record late, and then I get to bed really late. I'm tired. But I should have the outline done early because uh, I don't think this one's going to be close. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I, I will be doing that and the Stack in the Box podcast after the game. So, uh, I, I don't drink coffee, but I might have to start. See how it goes. <laughs> well, if the Chiefs do their job and, and wipe the Broncos out, we can maybe record right after and, and try to get to bed a little bit earlier. Uh, but this will be available for you guys late on Sunday night. And, of course, first thing, Monday morning. All right, if you guys like what you heard, you can subscribe to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music. You know this. You're already subscribed. Uh, your reviews help our show and they help us bring you more great content. So head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a written review. Ask us a question. We'll answer it right here on the podcast. Couldn't appreciate you guys more. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. We've got great content over there. He's at, at Matt Verderam. I'm at, at R. Patrick Allen. Please follow the lead expert at Arrowhead Addict at Matt Connor AA. And of course, follow at Arrowhead Addict and make sure you're reading the website every day for all the goings on, news, analysis, and opinions on the Kansas City Chiefs. For Matt Verderam, my name is Patrick Allen. 
We'll see you on Sunday. And as always, go Chiefs. That was a good episode. Yeah, it was. It was good. A lot of food talk. Didn't hit on Space Invaders. People are going to be disappointed. I know. I want to know. I want to know what people think about pineapple peach. It enrages me. I I really think there should be a felony that's tied to it. And then, like, you're cooking the pineapple. Cooked pineapple's good. Like, when I worked at Pizza Hut, it was like it, they had the pineapple pizza. It was pineapple, bacon, and red onion. And, like, I'm fond of bacon and red onion, but pineapples yes. are bullshit. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Find easy ways to store your outdoor tools and accessories at Menards. Suncast provides high quality and easy to assemble storage. Suncast storage sheds are the perfect solution for organizing and protecting your outdoor tools and equipment. Plus, their all-weather construction is low maintenance. Explore all our outdoor storage options in-store and on Menards.com. And check out more of our great deals going on now at Menards.